This episode contains content that you may find upsetting. If you're affected by any of the themes discussed, please get in touch with the LGBT helpline at switchboard.lgbt or Papyrus, the UK's suicide prevention charity for young people on 0800 068 4141 or via papyrus-uk.org. A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. Two unlikely friends take on the world. I'm so embarrassed about last week's episode that I have now resorted to using a different bathroom to Dan. And just now Dan went to the gents and I went to the ladies. <laughs> I did wonder where you I gone. went to the ladies. I couldn't deal with it. <laughs> Welcome to a gay and a non-gay. I don't know what to say. I haven't really talked about me for a while. What do you want to say? I don't know. I feel I feel kind of scared to talk about me. Why? Because I haven't done it in so long. What's... After my meltdown, my actual meltdown where I cried, I just was like, okay, I can't do this. I've got to stop. I need to give myself a bit of space from being so honest about me and my feelings and everything. When was your meltdown? I mean, after I saw Love, Simon. It was oh, that ago. one. Right. Okay. But I haven't really talked about guys since then. Have I? Or no. sexuality? Like I, haven't, I've just, I don't think I've been personal, so I feel like I should be. Okay. But I'm a bit scared to do that. Why? Because I feel like it's a curse on my love life. What is? This podcast. Right. (laughs) Well, don't talk about it then. (laughs) But I need to, because I'm having having a really hard time. And I think I had therapy for a long time. I had like two years of therapy. And then I stopped and I was like, it's fine. I've got a gay and a non-gay. That's kind of like therapy. (laughs) Because Dan just listens to me and I get it out and then we move on. And then a week later I come back and I do the same thing again. It's it's almost like the same thing as a therapy session. And just sort of saying my truth and then leaving. And and it's surprisingly helpful just to talk about things that you're finding difficult. Because it empties the glass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, and not doing that for a while has led me to have the most monumental meltdown i think i've ever had off air meltdown oh i've had so many off air meltdowns in the last two months it's been horrific why what's going on i don't know do you ever feel sad uh yeah actually do you ever feel having a really bad time to be honest why (laughs) this whole week i just am ever since we did the london podcast festival which was amazing and i just i stayed there for quite a bit and saw loads of stuff but ever since then i've just been like sad (laughs) So yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, same. I often wonder whether it's because if if something really big or amazing happens, you're on, you're on a come down straight after, right? Yeah. And I think same for me. I did Edinburgh, and we did Edinburgh, and then we did the podcast festival, and then like huge come down. Yeah. This is interesting because now we're having a conversation about our, ourselves rather than just me having a conversation about me. But do you ever feel like just ending it? No. Really, you never have a dark thought. No. Not okay. Like, not like that, no. I do. And it's so upsetting. And the other day, I couldn't do it anymore, so I rang my mum and I told her. And she was great. She was really helpful. And it's helped. They've sort of gone away for a bit, I think. Right. But I will just, like, a friend, I was at a wedding, and a friend said to me, oh, you must come visit me, because they live in Spain. And the first thought was, well, I probably won't be here. Right. Um... And I have thoughts like that all the time. And I'll board a plane and be like, well, it'd be easier if it crashed. Like, I'm not going to get anxious about whether it crashes or not. I used to get frightened of flying. And now I'm like, well, it'd be easier. And I think it's probably also what led me to have unsafe sex with all of those guys. Like, oh, well, it'd be easier if I 
catch something awful. This is awful, by the way, and I'm so sorry if this is triggering anyone. And it's probably not what you want to listen to <laughs> if you're on a commute. Anyway, I don't know what I'm saying that for. I just needed to say it because I think it's really important. And you know what? Maybe it'll help someone by being that honest. Um, yeah, and, probably. And it did really help it's... telling mum. I'm not sure every mum's the same, but she was just like, you have to tell me all the time, however you feel, because it's important. And it kind of is. But I don't know what to do about that. And like I said, the volume has been turned down a bit now and I am trying to tell myself to sort of be quiet. I almost have split myself into these two different people. There's like the depressed me and then there's the other me and I'm trying to just tell the depressed me to shut up. Right. Because it is kind of like part of your brain, isn't it? So you have to kind of like push it down. Yeah. I think. But it's upsetting that I don't really know the root of that or why that's occurred and it just seems to crop up again every now and again. But I guess it's triggered by intense intensity right i think so so if you're doing stuff like an edinburgh fringe show because to be honest i really struggled in edinburgh i was only there for two days so god knows how really why i mean you were with me so that would yeah, uh, my energy, <laughs> yeah that's... Like, not even joking my energy would rub off on you i don't know i'm not depressed i don't think i ever have been really so i'm not comparing it to that but i just think i did feel down in between our shows quite a lot. And I kind of got that a bit, that came back to me a bit at the London Podcast Festival. I'm not trivialising what I'm going through, but I definitely think partying and being on an up or even just going on a holiday and then coming home, like that does make you sad, right? There's a lot of things yeah. in life that will just make you sad. So it, that could be why that, that we've been on such a high and now we're like, okay, what do we do now? Because yeah, we hit 100. Woo, what do we do now? Yeah. And I've been dating. And I've been finding that very difficult. I don't know if we're exclusive or not. And it's upsetting me because I think I want to be. I don't like the thought of him having sex with other people. But we're surrounded by promiscuity in London and people telling you that monogamy sucks and that it's not even for animals. So, like, you know, animals aren't monogamous. Why are people? Um, Maybe you should move to Carlisle. Why? If it's a London problem. Right. Helpful. Thanks, Dan. Well, could you not say to him, "This is the tea," <laughs> that you that you you want to be exclusive? Well, I, I suppose that isn't the tea, though. The tea is more. I like you. I want to see how it goes. So, for now, until we decide otherwise, I want to be exclusive. I think something I would have to be really amazing, super amazing, to warrant that happening. I think, like, I'd have to meet someone amazing. And everything be so good and we both support each other so well and we're so happy for me to be okay with someone sleeping with someone else. It's really hard. And then you look to someone like Dan Savage and he's like, he's like head gay, isn't he, right now? Basically, he's like, there are no rules. Um, you make your own rules. Do what you want. Freedom. And it's. I don't think that's, I don't think that's necessarily what Dan, I know why you're saying that. I think if he was here, what he would say is that's true, but only if both people want that. Like there's, there is something to be said for monogamy and for two, like by creating this climate where everything is free and easy, and it's you know it's almost looked down upon to have a stable relationship with one person. Mm. Like basically, I totally see where you're coming from by saying that because I I feel like that is in this day and age 
some people look down on that and think that it's that you're boring or that like I'm not saying I I'm not say saying that, that you're saying I'm not saying that I you're saying I never said that. anything about being looked I'm down. I'm not saying that you're saying that. Is that I'm, what Dan Savage does because that's not what I meant to say. No, he doesn't exactly do it. I think he does do it on the right line, but I feel like I do feel like there is there is a breed of there is a, a feeling in 2018 from some quarters that that's something to sort of look down on and there isn't any value in just being with one person. I'm not sure that's true. I don't. I think you've read that wrong. I don't think that people are looking down on people in relationships. I've not heard anyone shaming, other than me in my own stand-up show, couples. I, I, I still think couples are the majority, right? Yeah. But I think when you're younger, perhaps, you are less likely... There's definitely facts to suggest that when you're younger, you're less likely to settle down and only be with one person and have a monogamous relationship, definitely. Like, that's not as common. But I think as you get older, you're more likely to settle into a monogamous relationship, perhaps. I think that's sort of what's happening. But no one's... I don't think anyone's shaming anyone for being happily coupled up. But what I'm seeing is that... I'm seeing people not accept, especially gay people... I'm seeing them not accept being in a couple and being like, no, we're, we're going to play around because that's what we do. Right. Like we've almost accepted. I feel like there's a lot of us that have accepted. That's all, how it all works. Do you know what I mean? And I just, I just get upset by it because I just don't know what to do. I don't think it's me to do that. But then that's an insecurity, isn't it? Because I want... Well, no, I don't think it is, want. necessarily. I want to be enough for someone. I don't want them to want someone else. <laughs> I don't think it isn't. I don't think it is an insecurity. I think it's a legit thing to think and to want. Really, do you not? Yeah, I do. Yeah, but I also think you can't go out of your way to find that or any relationship. You have to fall into one and see what happens, and spend time with someone, and get to know them, and take it easy. Obviously, you have to fancy them, but likewise, I don't think you should walk around saying, "I want to get married," because. How do you know you want to get married until you meet someone you want to marry? But everyone is different. We all have different feelings and different emotions and different things we want. And it's confusing. I read an amazing um, description of this, actually. And basically, it said, you know, like in the olden days, there was only one script, right? Yeah. Meet a girl, get married or need some land. (laughs) So give your daughter to someone who had land, get them married, done. Like that was kind of the script or fall in love, get married. And now everyone's running off of a different script. We've all got different apps and different settings and different things we want. There's loads of different options. So it's actually quite confusing to meet someone that's on the same script as you. Yeah. So how do you navigate through that? That's so difficult. Somehow, Dan, you're on the same script as your significant other person. Right. That, That, to me, is a miracle. Like you both seem to want the same things and both seem to not want the same things. Right. From conversations we've had about marriage and children. Yeah. So, but I guess that's because we predate. No, I think you don't predate these other things are happening around you, but you both, unless you're suggesting that because you didn't meet on an app, that's why. Would it have been the same if we got together in like 2014? Or I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, I think so. It's impossible to say, isn't it? Not really, because things have changed since 2014. Is that what you said? No, I mean, we both might be so obsessed with being on Tinder or whatever. I don't think so. Why? I mean, did you really not have Tinder when you met? No, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't around. So that's my point. But there were other dating sites. No, there weren't really. uh, You were still, uh, maybe not in the gay world, but you were still considered like a loser up until, I don't know, 2013 or something. Wow. Yeah, because we had gaydar. 
which was a way of connecting with other gay people when like when I was young, when I was like 14 or whatever I was on gaydar because it was a way of speaking to other gay people that understood me right um and it was web based and yeah it was kind of a dating site i met guys off of it i remember as recently as 2012 i was chatting to my mate at a gig about girls and i i suggested like online dating and it was just about going to the point where like he was really he was like it's just for losers isn't it and i was like i think no, i think things are changing now blah 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 and that yeah. was 2012 so that was not that long ago mm. It's only Tinder that changed that uh, on, a, on a mainstream scale. Like, I, I don't think that your relationship would be different. Maybe it would have been harder for you to meet and fall in love, perhaps with the distraction of other people all all around you because of Tinder. But in terms of things happening in the world, you're still on the same page and you live really far away from each other, but you still seem to be on the same page. So I think you're still singing the same love song. Which love song is it? I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. Meatloaf. Is that metal? <laughs> no, it's rock, isn't it? And is that about anal? It has to be, right? No, it's not about anal. I don't know why everybody says that, because the lyrics clearly state what it is that he won't do, and it's not that. Which is I what? Wish it, can we put an end to this? Which is what? He won't cheat on her. That's what he's saying. Really? He literally says that. I don't know why everyone keeps saying, oh, it's about anal. No, it's not about anal, because it's not because he doesn't say that. He literally really? Says, he literally says what it is that he won't do. Okay, please sing it. After a while, you forget everything. Just a brief interlude and a midsummer night's fling, then you'll see that it's time to move on. And that's the first time that he says, I won't do that. I won't do that. And then she says, I know the territory. I've been around. It, I mean, this is such a good song. It's hard to say it without singing it. It'll all turn to dust and we'll all fall down. Sooner or later, you'll be screwing around. And then he says, No, I won't do that. I won't do that. These are the things that he won't do. But it's not a duet. So is yes, he- it is a duet. It literally is a duet. Is it? Yes, there's a woman saying all this stuff and then Meatloaf saying, I won't do that, I won't do that. I didn't know that. I thought, it, I thought it was the same person singing the whole way through. No, it's mainly Meatloaf, it, but but it's not that. I mean, why would it be that? It doesn't fit in with anything to I, do I with the song. Because he's like a, a hairy, cis, straight, white guy. So you just assume that he wouldn't do anal. Find us on your socials at Gay Non-Gay. Listen at GayNonGay.com or just search Non-Gay at your fave pod app.